fighting the enemy. This is my third week and uh, still just kind of laying the groundwork, and I'm going to do it again tonight. Tonight's the last night. Next week, we're going to start with the first enemy, so I, and I'm going to have to fly through this tonight to get to, get to the first enemy next week, um, but I want to encourage you. Come, come for this series. I think that this series is going to bless you, and next week, we're going to dive in, like I said, into the first enemy, so you've not missed anything. If you feel a little bit behind, go online to icoth.com and download the last two weeks and catch yourself up. You can listen to it on your way to work. You can put it on a CD. Um, you can stream it directly from your phone. Um, it's free. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you to speak right into our hearts. We just acknowledge how much we need you. And Lord, I just acknowledge that I can't do it without you. And I'm not supposed to do it without you. I'm outside of your will and outside of the reason for my creation to operate outside of what you desire. And Lord, it is my desire, and I believe it's our church's desire, to step into the will of God for our life, for our church. Let us step in tonight. Let us take hold of your word. Let us take hold of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, brace yourself. I'm going to go fast, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture, everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture? That was pretty weak. All Scripture? Yeah, there we go. Is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What equips us for every good work? All Scripture. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 10. Now all these things happened to them as examples as they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The Bible has made it clear that the experiences of the natural children of Israel were orchestrated and recorded by God for the instruction of the spiritual children of Israel, the church. All Scripture is put there for our benefit. Okay? We are the spiritual children of Israel, the church. And since most people are familiar with the physical world more familiar with the physical, physical world than the spiritual world, Jesus so many times used parables of natural things to explain spiritual things. He used things that we walk through in order to understand where he's coming from. Similarly, the Lord uses the physical enemies and wars of the Old Testament to reveal truth about spiritual enemies and spiritual wars that we are expected to fight. Now, whether you've done this or not, this is where I'm coming from, is this is going to be coming from a Greek and Hebrew background. That if you take certain words in the Bible and do a word study of that word, sometimes it means more than what we in the English translation can grab from it. So we're going to be looking at the physical enemies of the children of Israel in the, in the Hebrew of what, let's say, what the Canaanites mean. What does the word Canaan mean? And we're going to start to dig that out to see how does that apply to us today. And I think it's going to blow your mind. Because these aren't just fun stories for us to realize what our ancestors and what the children of Israel did before us. No, it is to apply today. 
It is to equip us for correction, to equip us for righteousness, that so that we could be made complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Even the Old Testament. I have been around people that say, I don't read the Old Testament anymore, I just read the New. Well, why? Why? The Old Testament points us to Jesus. The New Testament points us to the Father. Why would we take one out? Why would we remove any of it? I mean, that would be removing David. I don't like removing David. That would be removing Moses. We can't decide what we like and just take that. This isn't a buffet line. And get all macaroni and cheese and get no broccoli. That's what the church does. We take the parts that we like and we leave out the obey. Leave that part out. I'm the head and not the tail. Wait a minute. If you'll focus on the first part, you don't have to worry about being the head and not the tail. That'll fix itself. If I'll hear the word and obey it and follow it, then I'm the head. doesn't even say I've got to go make myself the head. I will be the head. But I can't say I'm the head. I mean, have you ever had somebody come up and tell you something in your life? Who said that? Who, who made you queen? Who made you king? Anyway, all right. The children of Israel were delivered by the power of God from Pharaoh in Egypt. And they were not intended to peaceab- peaceably, listen to me, they weren't intended to peaceably live out their lives in the wilderness, waiting to die and to go to heaven. They weren't to stay there in the wilderness and just wait to die. No. What were they supposed to do? Their deliverance from Egypt was only the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise of God. They were still expected to go in and drive out the inhabitants of the land that the Lord had promised them and had given them. The children of Israel got delivered from Egypt, but then was expected to go and possess the land. Unfortunately, the land had enemies on it. That was part of their journey. They didn't miss it. They weren't, they weren't delivered, and then because the enemies they showed up were there, well, we must have missed God. No, you didn't miss God. We're still walking right with God, and God says, go take it. In the same way, our spiritual deliverance from Satan and the world is just the beginning of the promise of God in our lives. We are expected to learn from from the example of the natural enemies of God, of God's people, and understand the spiritual enemies of our soul. The land of promise for the Christian is not heaven. If it were, we would have to fight our enemies when we got there. Heaven is our reward. God has promised us a promised land here and now that that heaven would come to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. We have a promise here on earth. The promised land for a believer is to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. The possession of this promised land requires driving out the spiritual enemies in the same way that the children of Israel uh, drove out the enemies on on their promised land. Now, this is where this this whole series comes from, this scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. And I would encourage you, if you brought your Bibles, get them out. Mark them up. That may go against your whole being, but I mark up my Bible. I, I need to remember things when I'm reading my Bible, so I circle and highlight and do all kinds of stuff to my Bible. 
Verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you. The Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now listen. Seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. Not God. You. Say me. You shall make no covenant with them nor show mercy to them. The seven enemies, the seven nations that possess this promised land recorded in the word, will reveal to us the seven enemies of the soul to the born-again Christian. Remember, all scripture is given by God for our instruction and our correction. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at these enemies in detail. But first, I want to look in the way in which we are commanded to deal with all of them. The Lord makes it clear that even though they've just been delivered from Egypt... Remember, they went through the Red Sea and were delivered. They were free. But that it, the word makes it clear that the enemies are already inhabiting our land when we come out of Egypt. These enemies, these are not enemies that come to invade our land after we're saved. They are enemies that are left behind by our sin nature. These are simply those enemies that are common to fallen man. So, we shouldn't go overboard, we shouldn't feel condemned, or we shouldn't go out to seek an exorcist. The Lord knows we are flesh and that we have problems. He just doesn't want us to make a covenant with our enemies and agree to coexist with them. They have to go. Another thing that the Lord reveals to us here in verse 2, I believe, or verse 1, verse 2 is that they are mightier than us. These enemies are mightier. Do you remember it said that they were mightier and greater? The children of Israel had no hope of defeating these enemies without the Lord's help. In the same way, we have no hope of defeating the enemies, Satan's enemies, without God. They are larger than us. church, you can't do it. You try to fight your enemy without God, you are going to fail and you're going to fail bad. We have no hope of defeating those enemies without the Lord's help. Same as the children of Israel, we've got to trust in the Lord's help as we engage these enemies in warfare. The primary way that the Lord promised to help his people was that he would deliver or bring each enemy before them so they could smite them. The enemies of the soul could be listed as the mystery of, uh, uh, from the heading of the mystery of iniquity, which comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They're hidden from us until the Lord reveals them to us. Once he brings them to us, then we are responsible to destroy without mercy or compromise. You know, the word says, once we know something is wrong to do, it's sin. Once we know it's wrong, then the decision that we make to do it is sin. And as the Lord reveals, and Scripture shows us that He only reveals it to us when we can handle it. 
Sometimes, have you ever, again, we've talked about this, you read the Bible 10 straight years and finally that 10th year you see something you'd never seen before. However, it was always there. It's not new. It's new to you. So let's continue. Deuteronomy chapter three, verse, chapter 7, verse 3. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you. Verse 5, suddenly. Verse 5. But thus you shall deal with them, you shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. You've got to completely clean house. One of the main acts of disobedience to the people of God is to come in covenant or agreement with these enemies. The Lord respects our free will. And he will do nothing to deliver us from the enemies of our soul or body that we willingly receive into our lives. I've said this so many times that we have been given the power over sin. Christ dying on the cross for us, he has given us the power over sin. What you're battling, what sin you're battling, you have the power over if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. The problem is sometimes we give that power away. And we let Satan in. It's not God's desire. It's not his will. It's not his doing. But him allowing us to have a free will will allow us to step outside of his covering. He will let us go. But it's not his desire. We've got to understand that if we are joined to the Lord... Our covenant relations with the enemy joins to the Lord. When we have covenant relation, when we, are, when we have Christ in our hearts and we make a covenant relationship with one of these enemies, then it tries to join. We, we come, we've got Christ with us and then we've got the enemy. Now we've got a problem. Someone's got to go. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. When you invite this enemy in, you're inviting them to come in with Christ. It doesn't work. Most Christians believe that if they had lived in the Old Testament times, they wouldn't have been guilty of this. You know, Scripture says that if we were there when Jesus was crucified, we would have been a part of it. Why? Because we're... we're, we have a sin nature. It's in our, it's in us. When Adam fell, I'll just tell you, I have a sin nature. But Christ has saved me from it. He's restored me from it. He's given me the ability to overcome it. When the Lord reveals that you have an enemy uh, in the lust of the flesh concerning, let's say, food, do you continue to love and cherish your meals or do you treat your lust for food as an enemy? We're commanded to be utterly ruthless in tearing down the altars and images of our enemies. We've got to attack our enemies without mercy. We cannot continue to love what God hates. But I want you to know, let's just talk about food again. There is nothing wrong with eating. 
and enjoying your meal. But how many of you know so many times you can cross over that into a complete love and lust and your desire completely takes over your, your being? Same thing goes with sex, same thing goes with anything. When it crosses over into a love that is being replaced by your love for God, all of a sudden God is removed and that love takes over. Man, I've been, I've been sideways on so many things in my life. And I've just mentioned two kind of major ones. And uh, I've really battled in my life food. And uh, I will tell you, even now when you're trying to lose weight, it can become an obsession. It is just so easy to let things into your heart that do not need to have dominion. And Elizabeth has fought with me a few times just saying, I think food's got control of you, either in a positive way or a negative way. What I mean is... uh, well, even when I'm trying to lose weight, it gets dominion over me. When I'm, when I'm gaining weight, it gets dominion over me. I'm, 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 I'll, I'll, forgive me, danged if I do, danged if I don't. And all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off and says, wait a minute, what about God? Wait a minute, I can overcome this. I can win the war over food. Many of you haven't been here long enough. I was I was healthy. I mean, I mean, I was, it was, it was, it was something to see. People see my pictures and like, who is that? People also make fun of my hair. I used to comb my hair over. So we have a pre-comb over and a post-comb over. You know, the time of date when I did my hair different. <laughs> but we've, we have been given the, the ability to win. We have been given the ability to win. Another common example of covenanting with God's enemy is when Christians embrace, now listen to this, Christians embrace and defend their sickness and their infirmity. Many will describe their condition as my cancer, my disability, my diabetes, as if it is a precious attribute of their identity. And if you don't believe this, try, challenge, try to challenge a Christian about the Lord's will for them to fight for their healing. And many will turn on you and actually fight for their right to be sick. Quoting the book of Job or citing Paul's thorn in the flesh. That may sound like the most foreign thing that you have ever heard. But I have heard people that have just learned to deal with, with their sickness. And I want you to know it is God's will will for you to be healed. It is His will. It is His desire. He is the healer. Now, sometimes we've got to fight harder than other times. I've seen people healed immediately. I've seen people that take years and years and years. I've seen people not be healed. I can't answer that one. But I want you to know it is God's will for you to be healed. And it's time that we fight for that healing. Amen? It's time to fight, church. His enemies must become our enemies. What would you do if you went home tonight? You went home tonight and someone else was living in your house. In the early days uh, of our nation, these people would be called squatters. Imagine you just went on vacation, you came back after a week, and someone's camped out in your home. Literally. 
what would you do? Would you camp out in the yard and hope that they would eventually leave? Maybe just have a prayer meeting and pray over your home. Lord God, please let these people leave. I'm just trusting you, God, that I'm going to wake up in the morning and they're going to be gone. Would you do that? What would you do? Well, I don't know about you, but I'd do a couple things. I'd probably grab my gun. I'd probably call the law. I don't know in which order I would do it, but I would, do, I would probably do them both. That person's not supposed to be there. And I'll, I'll deal with whatever the consequences are later, but that person needs to leave. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be forceful in getting them out? I'd like to see what y'all would do. I mean, Tennessee's a key place for uh, UFO spottings and people to go out and quote, hey, what'd you say? Oh, I saw that UFO over there. Yeah, I know. Y'all be, on the, y'all be on the 4 o'clock news saying, well, I ran him out with my pitchfork and with my frog gig. Bring him on. Y'all, y'all think you're not country, but you are, especially when somebody shows up and it pushes your button. We go country. Don't we? Yes, we do. You act like you don't, but you do. That's right, we do. Nothing like a, red, a mad redneck. Amen. You know what? We, we, need to, we need to get a little bit of fire in us. We must violently drive out these enemies that dwell in the king's domain. These enemies are spiritual squatters that will destroy our witness if we allow them to stay. Deuteronomy chapter 7 will continue, verse 17. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispose them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. It always requires faith to defeat our enemies. A person cannot be in faith and in fear at the same time. The Lord said at the beginning, they are mightier than us by ourselves. But however, we have overcome all of our enemies through our faith in God. One of the best ways to drive out an enemy, one of the best ways to have faith is to remember what God has done in your life. What has God done in your life? All I've got to do is just remember God, and my enemy seems small all of a sudden. I've told you all the story about my daughter wrecking on that motorcycle, and I'm just riding behind, just broken. I mean, it was my fault. She's five years old, and I put her on a motorcycle. What kind of idiot would do that? Running behind her, screaming as she's screaming, Daddy. I mean, I can just still see, and I, I, would have ripped, I would have ripped her off by her hair. Whatever I could have done to have gotten her off of that motorcycle, I would have hurt her, but I would have hurt her less than what she was about to happen. So she has a wreck, busts her head. I've got a picture. I could probably even put it up there for you, but swells up. I'm with a doctor. They send us immediately to the emergency room, and I'm just driving, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. God, you're going to get to show me how great you are. What a great opportunity for you to show me how great you are because I've got no other hope. You are my only hope. Not any doctor, not anything that they can offer me, not anything that this hospital can offer me can offer me what you offer me. You shall not be afraid of them.
If God can deliver the children of Israel from Egypt, from Pharaoh, by his mighty hand, he certainly can deliver us from our enemies. And similarly, that if the Lord has delivered you from the world and from a spiritual death, he can deliver you from the lust of your flesh and your physical infirmity. If he can save your soul, he can deliver you from your sickness and from your sin. The children of Israel perished in the wilderness, never possessing the land of promise because they feared the giants. Do you remember that uh, Moses sent in 12 spies? Ten of them came back scared to death. Two of them came back and basically didn't even see the same thing the ten saw. The ten said, oh, it's a great land, but, big but, but the giants are too big and we can't take them. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take him. What do you mean we can't take him? It's like David showing up in Goliath's here and all the men are standing behind the rocks and crying. David's like, what are you looking at? We can take him. Don't you realize who's on our side? We can take him. And what happened? The children of Israel within a certain age died in the desert, died in the wilderness because they didn't believe. Our greatest weapon is our faith, which comes by the hearing of the Word of God. Church, I want to encourage you again. If you're not having a daily Bible reading, you are setting yourself up to be beaten and beaten down. Because you got to have faith. And faith doesn't come by coming to church once a week. The Word tells us to assemble together. But faith comes by hearing the word. Faith comes by you getting in the word and grabbing hold of the word and being connected to the word and you abiding in the word and the word abiding in you. When that exists, let me tell you, church will, church will have a whole new meaning. All of a sudden, church will make sense. I have so many people come in and say, I've never been able to make it in church. I've been there. I've been there. Have you been there? I've been there because you're trying to make it on your own power and you can't do it. The person to your right and left will let you down. The person in front of you and behind you will let you down. Man can't save you. God can save you. Look what it says here about our faith. Look, look what it says in Deuteronomy 7:21. You shall not be terrified by them. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, little by little. You'll be, unable to dis- you'll be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. What is he saying? The final point I want to make, and I'm going to close, I'm close. It's about the way that we're commanded to drive these enemies out of our land. By taking them until the Lord returns, or until we are supposed to take these enemies out We're never supposed to stop taking these enemies out, at least until Jesus comes back or until we die. We can't drive out these enemies all in one year or even in ten years. The Lord promises little by little we'll drive them out. Why would he say that? I believe it's because if we could see all of our enemies all at once, it would scare us to death and we'd run. I think if we could see how nasty these things are, that it would scare us off. 
So the Lord says, that's okay. You're not going to have to do them all at once. One at a time, little by little. One is enough. So as we go through these, and you, you take on seven of these, don't try to go defeat them all at once. Take on one. How many of you have had so many challenges and you've had to have somebody help you task things out and figure out, prioritize? How can I be successful? Let's start here. Dave Ramsey talks about paying off debt. Don't start with your biggest debt. Start with the smallest debt. Pay that one off. Then start taking that money and pay off the next one. Then take that money and pay off the next one. Next thing you know, this little debt, the second debt doesn't look that big. I can take that one. Hey, I can take that one. Hey, I can take that one. Hey, we got it. We would lose heart and surrender. Instead, he says, reveal one enemy at a time for its destruction. Once that enemy is utterly driven out of our lives, then he'll reveal the next enemy. <laughs> All right. How many of you, how many of you have been, gotten through something and thought, yeah, I got through it. Oh, oh, I didn't even know that was standing there. Okay. We'll never be able to see, see the hidden enemies that dwell in our souls until the obvious enemies of our flesh are destroyed. We've got to present our bodies a living sacrifice to God so that, we can, so that the Lord can show us the hidden, the, our hidden heart. You know, you know what the Word says about our heart, Jeremiah 17, 9? It says the heart is deceitful. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. The salvation of our spirit is the only part of our deliverance that was accomplished instantaneously. Although we wish the salvation of the soul and the body could be done in an instant, it just isn't so. Wouldn't it be nice if we walked the aisle, if I walked the aisle at five years old and all my enemies were defeated right then, the rest of my life was cake. Wouldn't cake, that's funny. Wouldn't that be nice? But unfortunately, it's not the case. My soul, my, my soul was saved. My spiritual soul was saved. But now the cleaning of the cup had to start taking place. The salvation of the soul and the body requires to be gradually changed from glory to glory as we possess the land. 2 Corinthians 3.18 but we all with unveiled face behold and beholding in a mirror of the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Being transformed. It is not you walk the aisle and receive Christ and get baptized and you are transformed. You, you just start the process of being transformed. And I want to encourage you, you faithful, older school Christians, you are still being transformed. You have not arrived. There is still journey left. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The natural children of Israel were delivered in a moment. The Red Sea parted. They walked through the, the, the sea on dry land. The enemy was, was uh, drowned right before them. 
right in their face. Man, what an awesome deliverance. But then, in order to take their land, they had to defeat the enemies. That's what we face, and that's where we start next week, is we're going to start identifying these enemies of our heart, these enemies of our soul, these enemies of our flesh. And if you'll, if you'll trust me and just go by the word and go by, we'll use a Strong's Concordance is where I get it from. Um, it's going to be awesome. Getting the enemies out of your, off your turf is going to be awesome. Amen. All right, y'all stand up with me. Let me pray for you. I appreciate you allowing me to just run through that. I know that was kind of teachy. But I want to lay the, lay the foundation of all Scripture. All Scripture has been placed there by God for our benefit. Father, we just acknowledge your word. Lord, I just ask that tonight that, that a, a renewal of our heart, a renewal of our spirit, a desire to get into your word would take hold tonight. And that we wouldn't try to come in here and fight off these enemies without your word. Father, I just ask that over the next seven days that we would commit to your word, that we would get your word in our hearts, that, Lord, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that you would lead us this week. And you would go ahead and start to identify some of these enemies in our heart. I thank you, Lord, that these enemies, we are going to drive them out by your power. What's funny is they already know that we're coming. They already know that they're defeated. They're just wondering why we haven't already come. The children of Israel waited 40 years, and those enemies were waiting for them to come and defeat them. I want you to know, church, and I am still praying. I'm sorry, I kind of talk as I pray. The enemies that, that you're battling know they're going down. You need to know it. They're going down. We just speak to those enemies right now. You are going down. And it is time for you to go. We are going to fill our hearts with your spirit. We're going to fill our hearts with your word. And your word says that there is no darkness. You have no darkness in you. That darkness flees when you come. And, and darkness, you're about to flee. I thank you, Lord. I just speak victory over this body. I just speak health. I just speak victory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Forgive me for holding you a little bit late tonight. Y'all have a great week.